Come follow me, the Savior said, then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we be one with God's own This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, a weekly podcast dedicated to my musings and observations on the New Testament and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more content, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. Hey guys, welcome back to The Savior Said. We are on episode 18. This is for May 6 through 12, Luke 12 through 17, and John 11. We are reading a lot this week. It's a lot of chapters. It really was a lot, and lots of parables. Title of this week's lesson is Rejoice With Me, For I Have Found My Sheep Which Was Lost. First off, before we really get into the Come Follow Me lesson and the scriptures and stuff, I wanted to say something really quick. I got an email this week from a very sweet sister who had some concerns about some of the things I said about women in the priesthood. Um, and I realized that my opinions are not reflective at any way of everyone who is listening to me. I realize that there are people listening to me who have very different opinions. And I realize that sometimes some of the things I say may be hurtful. And to those people who may have found my comments about women in the priesthood hurtful, I am so sorry. Um, and I would love to hear your perspective. Um, not everybody's going to have the same perspective on every single issue in the church or every single item of doctrine or whatever it is. And, you know, my opinions may be totally radically different from yours. But the thing I really loved about this email that the sister sent me was that she was so sincere and so sweet and non-confrontational about it and explained where she was coming from. It really opened my eyes and really made me think about some things. And she said a couple of really beautiful things in those emails. I've asked her to consider maybe writing something that I can share on my podcast or maybe even recording herself a little bit to, you know, be put here on the podcast because she had some beautiful insights. But one of the insights that she shared, and this is me paraphrasing, I'm not going to give you a direct quote because, you know, I want to see if we can get her to say something. But was that as she got closer to her Heavenly Father and learned more about Christ, you know, she was learning to take any fear or discomfort or pain that she had and turn it into faith and knowledge. And I love that because I think that's so much of what this Come Follow Me program is doing and that's so much of what scripture is doing is when we get to the essence of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about and it's about love. And when we get to that essence and we can hold tight to that essence, anything that causes us pain or maybe discomfort, you know, in a very imperfect world, um, if we can just hold sight of that essence of Jesus Christ and keep our eyes on that, then we don't get so distracted by the things that are causing us pain and discomfort and are a little bit uncomfortable for us to focus on. Thank you to that dear sister and thank you for addressing it so so gracefully and with so much class. Um, I really appreciate that because I have a hard time a lot of times taking criticism, but she did it so gracefully and just... It was, it was a lovely email, and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. So, if you do have criticisms about things that I say, go ahead. You can feel free to email me. Just please do it kindly so that I can react well to it, okay? Um, okay, jumping in now to this week's lesson. 
There are so many chapters, so instead of doing my typical scripture rundown, I'm just going to read you like the summaries from the chapter headings, okay? So here we go. Luke 12, Jesus teaches, Beware of hypocrisy. Lay up treasures in heaven rather than on earth. Prepare for the coming of the Lord. Where much is given, much is required. And preaching the gospel can cause division. Chapter 13, Jesus teaches, Repent or perish. He gives the parable of the barren fig tree. He heals a woman on the Sabbath. He likens the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. He discusses whether few or many are saved and laments over Jerusalem. Chapter 14. Jesus again heals on the Sabbath. He teaches humility and gives the parable of the Great Supper. Those who follow him must forsake all else. Chapter 15, Jesus gives the parable of the lost sheep, the piece of silver, and the prodigal son. Chapter 16, Jesus gives the parable of the unjust steward. He teaches of service and condemns divorce. He gives the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Chapter 17, Jesus speaks of offenses, forgiveness, and faith, and even the faithful are unprofitable servants. Ten lepers are healed. Jesus discourses on the second coming. We move to John, John 11. Jesus testifies that he is the resurrection and the life. We learn about Mary and Martha. They testify of him. He raises Lazarus from the dead. And Caiaphas speaks prophetically of the death of Jesus. So that's what we have going on this week. Okay, so jumping into Come Follow Me. Um, something interesting happened this week. You know, I've been reading this book, and it's by a British author named Neil Gaiman, and um, he talks about writing and different things like that. And one of the things he says is that he writes to find out what he thinks about different things. For instance, he wanted to know what he thought about America, so he wrote this novel set in America, and it kind of showed him some of the things he thought about. And I find that that happens to me a lot of times when I'm doing these lessons for Come Follow Me. Like, I'll read the scriptures, and I'll be thinking about it, and I'll think one thing, and then I'll come and I'll record the podcast episode, and something totally different comes out. And so it's very interesting to me when that happens. And in fact, that happened this week. I actually, this is take two on this podcast episode because I recorded probably over an hour and a half of material yesterday, but it was just so like hard. And it, it's not normally this hard. Like I felt like I was slogging in cement to try and get the words out. Um, I was just so frustrated. It wasn't coming easily. It wasn't coming quickly, but it was like an hour and a half of just like trotting through mud to try and get this out. And um, it just wasn't working. Right. And so I go back and I'm like, okay, so let's look at some of these themes. I'm like, you know, cause I went through and I was explaining each one of the five parables that they've got listed. And I just, there's some of the parables I didn't connect to super well this week in Come Follow Me, I'll be honest with you. And so I don't know if that was it or if I just need to be talking about these other themes. I'm not sure why, but so this is take two and we are going to find out what I think about the reading this week when I don't go super in-depth to the scriptures like scripture by scripture. We're going to just talk about some overarching themes, I think, instead, because I think that's kind of where I'm being led to talk about. And so the first kind of theme that I want to talk about is jealousy. And we see jealousy a lot in the different parables that Christ has this week. Probably the biggest parable for jealousy that I saw um, is the prodigal son. And you may be wondering, like, what is she talking about? The prodigal son is about jealousy because it, it, it doesn't really seem like it should be about jealousy, but it's basically about, you know, the son that wanders off and wanders away and squanders his inheritance and then comes back and his father is so happy to have him returned. Um, but the one thing that we don't look at when we look at the prodigal son is that there's an older brother there too. And when I was younger, the parable of the prodigal 
prodigal son really bothered me, like really bothered me a lot. And I think it's because I am the oldest of five kids. And as the oldest, I always felt like I had to be perfect. I had to do everything right. I had to follow all the rules. And I was, you know, I had to take care of my younger brothers and sisters. And, you know, they kind of got away with a whole lot more, I think, than I did. And I had to set the good example. And so I see myself a lot in that older brother. When I was younger and we would talk about the prodigal son and I would see the prodigal son come back and, you know, they had a big party for him and, you know, everyone's kissing on him and hugging on him and telling him how awesome it is that he came back. And I'm like, but what about the older kid? The older kid was there and the older kid did everything he was supposed to. And the older kid like was dutiful and he stayed where he was supposed to and he did the right thing, but no one's having a party for him. Like he's getting left out in the cold. Like what? And so the prodigal son for a long time, like I had a really hard time with the prodigal son. Um, and it wasn't until I would say maybe like, you know, till my adult years that I realized that no, the prodigal son applies to all of us because we are all that younger son. We all stray from the light that we know. We all stray from Christ and we all stray from his gospel. And so it's to show us that when we come back, you know, yes, we are welcome back and we are welcome back with love. But then why is the older son included? And this week in Come Follow Me, there is a really awesome talk that they reference by Jeffrey R. Holland. It wouldn't be an episode of The Savior Said if I didn't include some Jeffrey R. Holland, right? They've got this talk by Jeffrey R. Holland. It's called The Other Prodigal. And I went and I read it, and it was, like, spot on. It answered all of my questions about, like, why is this other son just, like, why do I feel such a kinship to him? And why do I feel so bad for him, right? And again, I think it's because... I tried to do the right thing when I was younger, but I found a lot of times when my younger siblings would like act out or do the wrong thing, like they would get a lot of my parents' attention. But the thing that I didn't realize is that when we are looking at the parable of the prodigal son, you know, and we are children of the father, I was looking at it from like an earthly viewpoint. You know, my parents, they're earthly, they're human people. They only have so much attention to go around. And with five kids, you know, it's kind of divided and, you know, that, that kind of thing. But our Heavenly Father is not like that. Our Heavenly Father, His attention isn't divided. Just because someone comes back and everyone's really excited to have them come back doesn't mean that our Heavenly Father loves us or pays any less attention to us um, because He loves each one of us perfectly. So it goes from like seeing ourselves compete with each other We're not seeing a competition between us and the younger brother anymore. It becomes, you know, we're each special in our own right. And then we become happy for the younger brother as he comes back. Jeffrey R. Holland has some really good quotes about this. He says, This son is not so much angry that the other has come home as he is angry that his parents are so happy about it. Feeling unappreciated and perhaps more than a little self-pity, this dutiful son, and he is wonderfully dutiful, forgets for a moment that he has never had to know filth or despair, fear or self-loathing, He forgets for a moment that every calf on the ranch is already his, and so are all the robes in the closet and every ring in the drawer. He forgets for a moment that his faithfulness has been and always will be rewarded. Now he who has virtually everything and who has in his hardworking and wonderful way earned it lacks the one thing that might make him the complete man of the Lord he nearly is. He has yet to come to the compassion and mercy, the charitable breadth of vision to see that this is not a rival returning. It is his brother. As his father pled with him to see, it is one who is dead and now is alive. It is one who was lost and now is found. 
Okay. And so do you see that, how, how that kind of changes our perspective on it? We see him not as a rival, but as a fellow brother. And so the joy then that this fellow brother has returned becomes much more easy to obtain, I guess, if that makes sense. Jeffrey R. Holland continues. He says, certainly the younger brother had been a prisoner, a prisoner of sin, of stupidity, and a pigsty, but the older brother lives in some confinement too. He has, as yet, been unable to break out of the prison of himself. He is haunted by the green-eyed monster of jealousy. He feels taken for granted by his father and disenfranchised by his brother, and neither is the case. He has fallen victim to a fictional affront. How many times do we feel that? Do we feel like someone has taken advantage of us or we fall victim to a fictional affront? I think that happens a lot in the church where people will do something and we take it very offensively when really they didn't mean it that way at all. Jeffrey R. Holland continues, One who has heretofore presumably been very happy with his life and content with his good fortune suddenly feels very unhappy simply because another has found some good fortune as well. And then it says, Who is it that whispers so subtly in our ears that a gift given to another somehow diminishes the blessings we have received? Who makes us feel that if God is smiling on another, then he surely must somehow be frowning on us? You and I both know who does this. It is the father of all lies. It is Lucifer, our common enemy, who cries down through the quarters of time as always and to everyone, Give me honor. So how does envy hurt us? How does jealousy hurt us? I think... We become confined by our envy and by our jealousy sometimes, and that makes it so we don't reach out quite so much to others. Uh, And it can be anything. You know, we sit in sacrament meeting. I'm talking from my perspective. I sit in sacrament meeting, and I look around. I look at the different people, and I'm like, oh, look, she's got the perfect family, or oh, look, she's got the perfect body, or oh, look, she's got the perfect kids, and I wish I had all of those things. And, oh, look, I know she's got an amazing house. I wish my house was as amazing as hers. And, oh, look, she's got this wonderful, beautiful, talented voice. And I wish my voice was as as good as hers. And, you know, I look around at all these things. And if I'm not careful, I will sit there wishing my whole sacrament meeting away that I was something other than what I am. And I think it's very easy for us to compare ourselves to others. And when we start comparing ourselves to others and we start feeding that envy monster, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And I'm sitting there and I'm comparing myself to like maybe 12 other women there in my congregation, the highlights of their lives. Okay, there is no perfect woman that has all 12 of the things that I am envious of or whatever of these women, right? There's no way that I can have all 12 of the items that I am envious of in these women. Each one of them has faults and they have flaws and they have problems of their own, just like I do. And so I think it's silly sometimes that we compare ourselves to others, although it is one of the easiest things in the world to do. I do it. I'm really guilty of it. And whenever we compare ourselves to others, we are focusing more on ourselves. We're not focusing as much on our Savior, and we're not focusing as much on the other person and what they need. We're focusing on what they already have and not the needs that we can fulfill within them. And so I think that's how envy is so destructive, right? Covetousness and envying and strife, that's one of the things that really I think is going to tear us apart. And it's one of those things that we really need to get over, I think, and kind of find ways to deal with so that we can really bond with our brothers and sisters in the gospel. So that was my first kind of part of Come Follow Me this week, is I really focused on envy and on jealousy and why the parable of the prodigal son had bothered me for so long and um, what I could do about it. You know, I think about 
there was this one time I had a girls' night out with two of my friends, and we were sitting in the car. We were driving back from wherever we'd gone, and we were having a conversation. And one of my friends who had this amazing job, she was single, and she was like, "Oh, I really wish that I was married. Like, I really would just love to have a husband." And you know, she was really wanting to be married and wanting to have a husband. And you know, this was right after I found out that I would never have children. And I was like, "Oh, I really wish that I was be able to have children." And I just can't have children. And then our other friend who had just had two kids and was a stay-at-home mom was like, oh, I really wish that I had, you know, somewhere out of the house to go that I had each day that I had my own kind of life for myself. And, you know, I love staying home with my kids, but I really wish that there was, had time to work on me, you know, not just the kids all the time. And so I'm sitting there looking at the three of us and I'm like, each one of us is jealous of what the other one has. You know, my single friend's jealous I have a husband. I'm jealous that my other friend has kids. And then my other friend that has kids is jealous that my other friend who's single has this really amazing job. And, you know, I'm like, do you see how, like, that kind of goes around in a circle, like, around and around? I realized at that point that what I'm jealous of is somebody else's blessing. And what somebody else is jealous of with me is my blessings. And so when I'm jealous and when I'm covetous, then I am not being grateful. And that leads into the next theme that I want to talk about this week, which is gratitude. Okay, so this comes from the section in Come Follow Me from Luke 17, 11 through 19. Gratitude for my blessings will bring me closer to God. And it's talking about the ten lepers, right? If you had been one of the ten lepers, do you think you would have returned to thank the Savior? What additional blessings did the thankful leper receive because he gave thanks? And how does expressing gratitude affect you spiritually? All right, so... I would hope that I would be one of the 10 that would turn around and thank my Savior. You know, I'm a Southern girl. I was raised as a Southern girl. And we are raised to write thank you notes. If anyone just like looks in our direction, we're writing thank you notes like constantly, right? And my poor son, I make him write thank you notes for everything too. And he, he just hates it. But that's what we do in the South. We write thank you notes for everything. So I would like to think that if Jesus came and healed me as a leper, that I would have written him a thank you note, right? I would have at least turned around and said, you know, thank you. Um, I have a hard time thinking about those lepers who didn't. But at the same time, how many times in my life am I ungrateful for things that he has done for me? Or do I just walk off and just assume I deserved it? Because of course, you know, we deserve nothing. We can never be good enough to deserve all the amazing things that our Father in Heaven has blessed us with, right? And so it's all from him. It's all from his goodness. And am I ungrateful a lot of times for some of that? Oh yeah, I think I am. I'm definitely guilty of that. So it actually made me think about a couple years ago at a woman's conference that my stake put on. It was like a stake relief society conference. Um, they asked me to teach a workshop on gratitude. And so this was like in 2014. So I had to like do some deep digging, but um, I found my presentation that I did on gratitude for this workshop. So I'm going to kind of walk through that with y'all and I will actually post it because it's got videos and stuff in it. And I'll actually post it to my Facebook page so you guys can also walk through it. It's on a Prezi, so it's, it's real easy to access. Okay, so I want you to start off thinking, what makes you happy? Like, when you are happiest in life, what is it that has made you happy? Um, It can be anything from, like, our family to, like, relationships around us. It can be success at work or success at whatever it is that we are striving for. Um, It can be our physical health can make us happy. Our social circles, our friends can make us happy. Maybe our hobbies and our pastimes, things that we like to do in our free time, that can make us happy, right? Um, Religion, our religion can make us happy. 
personal freedom can make us happy. The ability to do things can make us happy. I mean, it can be anything. Sometimes money can make us happy. You know, I I love retail therapy as much as the next person. So, you know, food makes me happy. I love chocolate. It makes me happy. There's all kinds of things that make me happy. However, can I always depend on these things to make me happy? And the answer is no. Sometimes maybe family won't make you happy. Sometimes you might get in a fight with a sibling or something like that and it it doesn't make you happy. You won't always be successful. You know, at work there may be times where you are just a disaster and there's not success there. Um, Your physical health, that's just part of this world. It comes and it goes and it declines and that doesn't always make you happy, right? Social circles, your friends can let you down. You know, they can hurt you sometimes. Hobbies and pastimes, you might not be able to always do your hobbies. You might not be able to afford them. Whatever it is, the hobbies can let you down too. Religion, sometimes the church hurts. You know, we talk, to, we talk a little bit about how there are different things in the church that sometimes are painful. And so sometimes that, that doesn't help either. And all of these things, you cannot depend on them to make you happy. There are times where they will let you down. There are times where they will maybe even be a source of unhappiness, right? There is only one emotion... In this entire world that you can depend on to make you happy. Okay? And this is a quote from Wendy Ulrich. Wendy Ulrich is an amazing LDS author and psychologist. Definitely check out her books. I have several of her books that I really recommend. Weakness is Not a Sin is one of my favorite. Um, The Healing Power of the Temple is another one that's really good. But she is just, she's a really amazing writer and author. And I love her philosophy on life. But gratitude is one of the things that she talks about. And she has this quote. She says, Telling others or ourselves to just be happy doesn't, in fact, do much of anything to lift our moods. Right? We can't just say, this is Lexi, we can't just say, hey, be happy, or hey, be happy, be, you know, and like tell someone, be happy. And that doesn't automatically make them happy. Telling myself, Lexi, you should be happy, doesn't automatically make me happy. Going back to Wendy Ulrich, we don't turn happiness on or off as an act of will. But there is a positive emotion that we can access readily, which in turn will increase our feelings of happiness, and that emotion is gratitude. Gratitude is the emotion that can actually flip on the happiness switch in our brain. Scientists have done studies and found that gratitude actually increases those good, happy hormones in your brain, dopamine and things like that. When you are feeling grateful for stuff, you are happier, okay? And it's interesting to me about this because people have like a general baseline for happiness in their lives, right? And they've done studies on people who've won the lottery and then people who have been in like terrible car accidents and become quadriplegics, right? And so they find that right after these particular incidents, you know, with the lottery winners, their happiness like goes through the roof. And the people who are in the terrible car accident, you know, of course, they kind of have like a depression in their emotions, right? But after about a year or so, it starts to level out and they go back to the same level of happiness that they reported before the event took place. So you kind of have like a set meter in your life where you're like your happy meter is. And they found also in the study that people who were more grateful, who are more grateful for their blessings, for their lives, things like that, that they tended to have a higher rating of, on the happiness scale. So that's what Wendy Ulrich is saying just telling yourself to be happy, just going out and winning the lottery even. Yeah, it's going to make you happy for like, you know, a couple months or whatever, but after a while you're going to kind of come back down to your regular like set level of happiness. The one thing that can change that set level of happiness is gratitude. We have been commanded that thou shalt thank the Lord thy God in all things. Why? 
Why is it important for us to thank our Heavenly Father? Well, I think there's a couple reasons for this. I think because it strengthens our relationship from our Heavenly Father. When you give someone something that they could not give themselves and they turn around and thank you for that, you are actually creating a bridge between yourself and that person, right? And that's strengthening that relationship because they depended on you and they recognize their dependence upon you. And so I think that's one of the things that happens when we turn around and we are grateful for the blessings that our Heavenly Father has given. It strengthens our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I also think He wants us to thank Him for things because it helps us reflect on the things that He's blessed us with. And when we are reflecting on our blessings, when we are grateful for our blessings, it kind of kills those emotions of envying and jealousy and covetousness and things like that. That gratitude kills those emotions and helps us be more grateful for what we have. And it starts becoming like, how can I share my blessings with others? And instead of thinking, oh, how can I have blessings just like this other person has? You know, it changes that perspective. And so I think that's another reason why he's asked us to do that. He's asked us to thank him in all things, in all things. Are there things in our lives that we think as horrible challenges or horrible situations that we have thanked him for. You know, I think, I think I talked in another episode a couple of weeks ago, I was at a um, food kitchen type thing and we were helping serve some of the homeless in the community. And before we opened up the doors to let the people come in to kind of get the food, they said a prayer. One of the things that they mentioned in the prayer was, thank you, Lord, for everything you've given us. And thank you, Lord, for everything you've not given us. And I remember sitting there and I'm like, I am literally about to give food to people who do not have food. And this man just prayed, thank you for everything you don't give us. And so I started thinking about my life. What are the things that my father in heaven hasn't given me that I've wanted? And how has that changed me and shaped me the way that I am? And I think it, I mean, obviously the first thing that I can think of is children, you know, or the inability to have children, I guess I would say that's changed me. It changed me a lot. It made me, first of all, value the son that I do have um, and be so grateful for the circumstances that brought him into my life. It's helped me focus, I think, a whole lot more on my career, which in turn has blessed the lives of all the kids that I have encountered over the years. I think it has turned my head kind of towards the path that my father wants me to walk instead of the other path that I thought would be best for me. And the other thing I think is that I learned from it was how strong I truly am. You know, going through that situation where I, I talk about this in more depth in um, episode one, but I went through a situation when I was 30, 30 yeah, I was about 30, um, where we found out that I had to have an immediate hysterectomy. And so at age 30, I found out I was never going to have children for the rest of my life. And that was really hard. But going through that situation and the years following after that and the emotional strain of that and the physical strain of that and all the after effects, going through that, it's something I never thought that I would be able to walk through and emerge on the other side okay. And it did. I mean, it took therapy. I'll, I'll be honest. You know, I'm a big fan of therapy. Um, and it took a lot of that. And it took a lot of, you know, leaning on my Heavenly Father. But I learned that I was strong. And I don't think that I could have learned about that strength any other way. I think that was the only way that my Father in Heaven could show me. Like, hey, look. Look how strong you are when we are working together. 
Like, look what you can walk through when we are working together. You've leaned on me as we've walked through this valley. Why don't you lean on me when you walk through some, like, other little hills and valleys? You know, ones that maybe aren't quite as deep. You know, this was a Grand Canyon of a valley. But why don't you lean on me when you have to walk through some other, like, smaller valleys, too? And it really taught me how to lean on my Heavenly Father. And so, in a weird way, I'm grateful for that beautiful heartbreak. And in my presentation at this point, this is where we watched the video for the Hillary Weeks song, Beautiful Heartbreak, which I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's, it's gorgeous. You'll, you'll bawl like a crazy person. It's got the two different stories, two different women it shows in there. One is Mariama Cologne, I think is how you say her name, M-A-R-I-A-M-A, last name K-A-L-L-O-N, um, and she is from Sierra Leone, she is where she grew up in war-torn Sierra Leone, and talks about seeing the death of both her um, brother and sister when she was younger, and eventually she joined the church and became a missionary for the church, and um, she now speaks at Time Out for Women as an inspirational speaker, but it talked about her going from this beautiful heart heartbreak to turning into what she is today, from going from a war-torn country, a war survivor is what she calls herself, to an inspirational speaker, right? And then the other person that's in the video, it talks about Stephanie Nielsen, who was in a really awful plane crash and burned 80% of her body. Um, it shows her going from, you know, spending time with her family and stuff like that and recovering from that plane crash to expecting baby number five. She's got four kids. Now they're expecting baby number five. And in the song, Hillary actually talks about this process. In fact, I'm going to read you her lyrics. This is Beautiful Heartbreak by Hillary Weeks. This is just a chorus of it. Um, but she says, every fear, every doubt, all the pain I went through was the price I paid to see this view. And now that I'm here, I would never trade. The grace that I feel and the faith that I find, the bittersweet tears and the sleepless nights, I used to pray that he'd take it all away, but instead it became a beautiful heartbreak. And if you haven't heard that song, please go listen to it. It's so gorgeous. And if you're on YouTube, go find the video for Beautiful Heartbreak. You can see Stephanie Nielsen and Mariama Kalan, um, and kind of see a little bit about their stories too. But it makes me think about how are we grateful for the times in our lives where we've really struggled, where we've really had to go through stuff. And are we really grateful for those trials and um, the times where our prayers for relief and our prayers for things to be different where they haven't been answered and the way that we wanted them to be answered? And how are we grateful when we go through that really hard stuff? Um, because I think that really hard stuff tends to change us a lot more than the easy stuff or the good stuff maybe in our lives tends to change us. So we tend to like think of that stuff as bad, but I'm really grateful for the hard stuff that I've been through because it gives me experience and it's made me who I am. It helps me know myself better. It helps me know my father in heaven better. It helps me know our relationship better. Um, and then also it puts me where I need to be to serve others and to help others and strengthen others who have gone through similar stuff and kind of nurture them as well. And um, so I'm grateful for the, the things that I've struggled through, the beautiful heartbreaks of my life that I've had to kind of walk through. So being thankful to the Lord in all things, right? Okay, so when we pray to our Heavenly Father and we express gratitude, there are some amazing things that happen in our lives, some amazing blessings that come just from the act of expressing gratitude. And that's what this leper found from the 10 lepers, that one leper that turned around and thanked Christ. These are some of the things that we experience. 
when we pray and thank Heavenly Father for things, we get a calming peace. It's a peace that allows us not to wish for those things that we don't have. And, you know, I talked about envy and jealousy and covetousness. Like, the antidote to all of that is gratitude. Um, that helps take care of it. I remember growing up, my mom actually had a cross stitch. It was like, and she put it <laughs> on this little shelf, like, right in front of the kitchen sink. So, like, when I was doing dishes, like, I'd have to sit there and stare at it so I have it memorized. And it says, contentment is not the fulfillment of everything you want. It is the realization of everything you have. And so, you know, like literally, I have it memorized. But I've thought about that a lot over the years, that when you are content with something, when you are grateful for something, you realize everything you have and you realize it is enough, right? It is enough. The wanting stops. And that's what we get. We get a calming peace when that wanting stops and we are just grateful for what we have. When we pray to our Heavenly Father and express gratitude, here's another blessing that comes from it. We are able to overcome the pain of adversity and failure because we are able to see the good that came out of it. Um, Even if we are going through something hard now and we're like, Heavenly Father, I know that there's going to be good that comes out of this. I can't see it right now. Things look so bleak and so gray, but I know something good is going to come out of this. And thank you for whatever that good is, even though I can't see it. You know, that's one of the hardest prayers to pray, but... I've done it. Um, and it does. It helps helps you know that you're building something in that those times when you're climbing that mountain or climbing those valleys. Um, when you pray and you express gratitude, it means that we express appreciation for what we have now without qualification for what we had in the past or a desire for in the future. You are literally... It's mindfulness and gratitude, right? You're literally focusing on this moment right now. In this moment, I am so grateful for these things. And it's not necessarily I'm grateful for, you know, whatever you're going to give me down the road. And yeah, you're grateful for stuff that's happened in the past too. But we're focusing on what what are we grateful for right now in this moment. Um, Practicing mindfulness. That's what we're doing, right? When we pray to our Heavenly Father, express gratitude. We are giving a recognition of and appreciation for our gifts and talents which we have been given. And we know from some of the parables of the talents and things like that, that when we express gratitude for those things, Heavenly Father helps magnify those and helps them become greater than they were before. He also, when we express gratitude to Him in prayer, allows us to acknowledge the need for help and assistance from the gifts and talents possessed by others around us. You know, I am so grateful for the doctors and the healthcare people who got me through that time when I had to go through that whole hysterectomy and everything like that. I'm grateful for, you know, like I said, therapy. I'm grateful for the therapist that got me through it. I'm grateful for my family that got me through it. I am grateful for the gifts and talents that all those people possess to help get me through that really tough time, right? That is expressing that. That was something I couldn't do for myself. I couldn't get through that on my own. And I couldn't get through it with just me and my Heavenly Father, but the gifts and talents of those around me who helped serve me and get me through that, I'm incredibly grateful for. And so it's recognizing the gift and talents that God has provided in others and that touch your life through the service of others. Okay, we're going to do a thought experiment. I just told you about all the different benefits that come from praying about gratitude. We're talking about some of the benefits of just thinking about gratitude. Okay, this is a thought experiment. I want you to take something in your life that you are struggling with. Like, what is something that you are constantly fighting, that you are constantly just worrying about? What's that big worry? Okay, I want you to identify that worry. Kind of put it to the side. Now, I want you to think of your top five biggest blessings. What are the top five biggest blessings in your life? Is it your family? 
Is it your friends? Is it the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it your faith and love in your Savior? Is it your maybe your dog or cat? Like, what are your top five biggest blessings? Just think about that for a moment. Okay, just overwhelming gratitude. Okay, so when, once you've got your top five, I want you to go back to that thing that you were struggling with, that problem. And doesn't it seem not so serious? Like, yeah, you haven't solved it, and yeah, it hasn't magically appeared to go away or anything like that, but you feel like you can actually take it on a little bit easier, and it seems more manageable when we are grateful for other things. And that's because you've had that dopamine rush in your brain, right? So gratitude really is an amazing antidepressant, Um, and it's one of the reasons that psychologists and therapists encourage people to keep gratitude journals and write down five things each day that you're grateful for. I think it's a really kind of cool experience to find beauty in each day and find surprises in each day. My mom has a saying that she never wants to go to bed without learning something each day. And so, you know, she'll learn something new and be like, oh, I can go to bed tonight. I learned something new. And so, you know, what are the things that we are learning each day? And are we grateful for those things? And just seeing the the beauty and the, the mundane in the everyday of our lives. And of course, it's so important not to forget to thank our Heavenly Father for all that stuff. Um, you know, like the lepers, nine of them walked away where, you know, again, I'm like, I just don't get it, guys. I would have sent a monogrammed personal thank you card, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, turn around and thank our Savior because here's the thing. Yeah, I say I would send a thank you card and everything like that, but then I'd probably just walk off, right? And I do that. Heavenly Father blesses me so much with so many things, and I'm like, yep, thank you, Lord. And then I just don't ever think of it again. Something else comes up down the road, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I and I forget, you know, about how he helped me with whatever I was going through at this point, you know? Do I turn around and thank him? Like, I mean, you know. So constantly keeping in the back of your mind, not only gratitude for our Heavenly Father for what He's done, but a reminder that He has a pretty good track record of getting you through stuff, and He's going to continue to get you through stuff, right? Also, I think sometimes we need to make sure that we are grateful for things that we take for granted that others would love to have. And in this part of the presentation, there's actually a video. It's a gorgeous video of Alex Boye. You know, he's a singer, um, and he is... I think his parents are Nigerian, but he himself is from London. And in the video, it's his naturalization ceremony where he became a U.S. citizen. You know, they have him swearing in, and he's so excited, and you can, you know, he's just, he's got all this enthusiasm. I love Alex Boye, but um, he's got all this enthusiasm, and he's all excited and everything. They hand him a microphone, and he's standing up, and he's telling the crowd, you know, I have sung the national anthem in this country a hundred times, but he's like, the next time I sing it, I am going to be a U.S. citizen singing this national anthem. And the judge, bless his heart, is like, well, come on up here. Come on up here and sing the national anthem as a U.S. citizen. And he's like, okay. And so he gets up there and just the emotions you can see on his face. He is singing the national anthem for everything he is worth. And he's got tears running down his face. And he's so grateful for the benefits of being a U.S. citizen and for the the opportunity to be a U.S. citizen. And do you know what? I don't think I have ever expressed gratitude for that to my Heavenly Father. Like the freedoms that I enjoy, the blessings I enjoy of living in this country. Have I ever even expressed gratitude to the for, to my Heavenly Father for that? Like, I don't know. And so I had to take a moment and be like, Father, thank you so much that I am in this country, that I enjoy the freedoms that I do. And, you know, and kind of we had a conversation about that. But 
I mean, think about all the things that other people take for granted or that you take for granted that other people would love to have. Um, and just kind of that perspective just changes you. And it kind of shows you how much you are blessed for things that you don't even realize, you know, walking down the street, that is a huge deal to some people like that can't walk. Right. So, I mean, just little things like that, it puts it all into perspective and things that where you think like, oh, my life is really hard. All of a sudden you're like, okay, well, I've got these blessings. And so it's not really nearly as bad, at least for me. That is how it all works out. All right, so in Alma 34, 38, I want to talk about this scripture. It says that you contend no more against the Holy Ghost, but that you receive it, that you take upon the name of Christ, that you humble yourselves even to the dust and worship God in whatsoever place that ye may be in, in spirit and in truth, and that ye live in thanksgiving daily for the many mercies and blessings which he doth bestow upon you. And there are lots of key words that I like in the scripture, but specifically I like the one that talks about humbling yourselves, because when you are grateful for something, you are humble, right? You are humbling yourself, saying, this is something I could not have provided myself on my own. Okay. It says you are worshiping God when you are grateful for something. You're literally saying, God, thank you for this great thing that you've provided in my life. And that's literally like giving him the glory. So that's literally worshiping God when we show gratitude and we express gratitude to our father in heaven. Living in Thanksgiving daily. I love that. Thanksgiving is actually my favorite holiday. I really love Thanksgiving a lot because I don't feel like it's near, not nearly as commercialized as, um, you know, like Christmas and and some other holidays. There's Black Friday, but you know, forget about that. Thanksgiving, I really love Thanksgiving, and I would love to have Thanksgiving every single day. That feeling, just being around family and just being so grateful for everything. I just love that. For the many mercies and blessings which he doth bestow upon you. And not just blessings, but mercies. I like the word mercies too. In DNC 4632, and you must give thanks unto God in the Spirit for whatsoever blessing ye are blessed with. And again, that goes back to the things that we are blessed with and the things that we are not blessed with. You know, whatever blessing you have in your life, are we grateful for that and being grateful for that? And of all the things that I am grateful for, the thing I think I am most grateful for in my entire life is my Savior, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and everything that he has done for me, which is leads into the next section that we have in Come Follow Me. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And it says, the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead was as powerful and irrefutable testimony that Jesus was truly the Son of God and the promised Messiah. What words, phrases, or details in John 11, 1 through 46 strengthen your faith that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And how does this knowledge influence your life and your choices? Okay, so I want to tell you something I noticed this time while I was reading through, you know, the story that I've read a million times before. This is in John 11, and this is 15, and this also kind of ties into everything I've been talking about. So I don't know who out there needs this. Maybe it's me that needs this. I don't know about being grateful for the hard stuff in our lives. But in chapter 15, Jesus says, and this is the first time I'd ever noticed the scripture, but he says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. He's talking about Lazarus has died. He's glad that he was not there when Lazarus died for the intent that ye may believe Nevertheless, let go, let us go into him. And so he's saying, you know, this thing happened. My dear friend died and he knows that he can resurrect him. But he's saying, I'm glad I wasn't there 
because now you guys get the chance to see this resurrection and you get the chance to have your friend brought back to life. What a cool perspective on that that is. Um, And how many times in our life is he saying, you know, I'm glad for your sakes that this bad thing happened because now you're going to get to see this amazing miracle that I'm going to cause to come to pass in your life. And that's kind of what he was saying to me through that verse. What is the thing in your life that you're really struggling with and what's the miracle that's going to come from it? You know, and maybe it's not going to come the same way you think it's supposed to come, but there still can be a miracle and don't give up hope for that miracle. Other thing I really, really loved about John 11, and this also stood out to me too, was, and of course, you know, I love my sisters in the scriptures, and I love Mary and Martha. Um, just a little side side note on Mary and Martha. I didn't get to talk about them very much in the earlier lesson where we met them in Come Follow Me because I kind of did my talk on them, and it was all about the needful part and all that stuff like that, but I didn't really get to talk about them. And I love Mary and Martha's story because they have their strengths, Right. You have Martha, who is like the Martha Stewart of, you know, ancient Israel, like literally Martha, Martha Stewart. It works out really well. Um, But she's the Martha Stewart of ancient Israel. You know, she is cooking, she is cleaning, she is like the epic homemaker, right? And then you have Mary, who is literally sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so she's like, you know, really intent on the spirit. They both have their gifts and they both use their gifts to serve Christ. And they both have their places where they can listen and serve Christ in a way that will help prepare him for what he's about to go do. You know, I think of this feast that they're going to see next week, you know, in John 12. This feast where they sit down together and Martha has probably prepared the feast, you know, the epic homemaker that she is. And then Mary anoints his body for, for burial. So, I mean, you know, Mary knows what's coming up. So the two of them had faith in different ways because they came from different perspectives, but they also had different talents and they were able to serve Jesus in different ways. And I love that between the two of them. Um, Now, I love this interchange that happens in 25, where Jesus said unto her, he's talking to Martha, he's talking to her and he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. But whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he asks her, believeth thou this? Do you believe this? And Martha said, in 27, she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called her sister Mary, her sister secretly saying, The Master has come, and he's called for thee. And as soon as Mary heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. And so then Mary comes out, and she's talking to Jesus again, and she's saying, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother would not have died. And how many times have we gone through stuff in our lives where we're like, Heavenly Father, if you had just taken care of this, this bad thing wouldn't have happened to me. Or Heavenly Father, if this had happened this way, then this would not be an issue. Like, why, Heavenly Father, am I walking through this? Why am I climbing this mountain? Why am I walking through this valley? Like, why am I having to do this hard thing? And Jesus saw her weeping and also the others around there. And he groaned in his spirit, and he was troubled, because he saw her grief, and I'm sure he felt for her. And then we have the 35, Jesus wept, which, you know, when I was younger, it was my favorite scripture, because it was so short, and so whenever I had to say a scripture somewhere, I'd be like, John 11:35, Jesus wept, right? No, I think Jesus was honestly, he was so moved by her grief, that he was empathizing with her and, you know, grieving with her. But I also think he was grieving kind of for the unbelief that was surrounding as well, which is sad. But then he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead and Lazarus rises again. And we see that 
beautiful story of resurrection, and I hope that it's something that imprints itself in its in their minds, Mary, Martha, and the disciples. The day is coming where Christ is going to do something very similar, right? So I think that's a wrap. Thank you guys for sticking with me through this week. I know we kind of touched on Come Follow Me, but I kind of went off on some side trails. I just really felt led that those were the places that I needed to go. Um, I may release the first take of this episode because it's much more scripturally based and it follows Come Follow Me a whole lot closer. And I know some of you use my podcast for your Sunday school lessons. So I may release that as bonus content at some point, but I think this is the official episode because this is really where the Spirit has been leading me to come talk about. It came forth a whole lot easier than the other episode did. So I know that that was the Spirit's hand at work through this episode. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm glad that I finally got it out. (laughs) All right, so y'all have a great week. Keep reading the scriptures, keep being lights, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. Have a question or comment? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening.